Welcome to the Brilliant Business Moms podcast, episode 132, with Sarah Kornack and Bethann Schwamberger. Today on the show, we're talking with Maggie Frank Shue. She is a social media expert, and today she's turning the tables on us, and she's giving our Facebook page a critique. It's really fun to hear from an expert different ways that we could be doing a better job with our social media. Maggie had lots of great advice for us on ways that we could do a better job with our Facebook page, and that advice is going to be very applicable to you and your Facebook page as well. So let's get started. You're listening to the Brilliant Business Moms podcast, practical business advice for startup moms. Today on the podcast, we are so excited to welcome Maggie Frank Shu. Maggie is a social media marketing consultant, and she loves working with small businesses and entrepreneurs to help them have a clear social media strategy and use it to grow their businesses. And I've actually had the privilege of being friends with Maggie in real life. We met at a social media conference here in San Diego, and it's been so fun getting to know her. And I always get some great business advice when we when we chat as well. So, and one more thing, this interview will be a little bit different because Maggie is going to uh, treat us kind of like a social media client of hers and really dig into Facebook for us and how we can do a better job there. So welcome to the show, Maggie. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome to get to know you and I'm excited for the interview. Maggie, do you want to begin by just telling us a little bit about yourself and your past work history? What has kind of made you such an expert in the area of social media? Awesome. Sure. So myself, I uh, live in San Diego with my husband and my son, 15 months old, and my dog. We moved here a couple of, about 18 months ago from the East Coast. I Most of my career I spent in New York and also in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I started out as a journalist and moved into, um, I worked for a startup and uh, moved into marketing kind of over the years. I guess why I consider myself a social media expert is the last few years, I worked for a nonprofit called understood.org, which is a website for parents of kids who have learning disabilities, ADHD, and some other learning and attention issues. And I was their social media manager did a lot of strategy in the run-up to the launch of the site. And over the past couple years, the social media presence for that site has really grown. The Facebook page now has over a quarter million likes and a huge amount of engagement for a Facebook page for business, which is something that I am bringing to my consulting as kind of an understanding of how important the content that you share on social media can be and sort of different strategies to engage your ideal audience. Awesome. And I'm just so impressed with what you've done with Understood. And so, yeah, I guess from here, we'll just kind of give the floor to you, Maggie, and you can ask us questions and or give us all of your awesome thoughts on on how we can be better at social media. Okay, awesome. Okay, so... I'm going to focus on your Facebook page. A lot of what I want to talk about can apply to all different kinds of all the different channels, but you know, there are sort of quirks about the different channels and differences, but there are also a lot of similarities. You know, the number one thing is 
when you use a social media network personally, you're kind of using it to curate, you know, a version of yourself. So when you share stuff on Facebook, you may share some pictures, some links to articles that you've enjoyed, some videos, whatever. And that's sort of like your personality or this version of yourself that's on the network. When you're doing it for business, it's really tied back to business goals, which are basically about, you know, I mean, they're different for everybody, but in large part, it's about getting more people who are your ideal client or your ideal potential client to come see your stuff on social media, click through to your website, hopefully sign up for your email list and eventually become sort of this pool of people that you can continue being in touch with. So to me, social media for business, you know, because people talk a lot about reaching more people and reaching like tons of people on social media. It's not about reaching tons. It's about reaching a high percentage of people who are into what you do, who care about what you do and who are, you know, likely potential customers. Okay. So that's my, that's my intro. So that's, so I want to focus on your Facebook page today because there's a few things that we could talk about and I want to hear kind of what you think of some of the ideas I've cooked up when I found out I got to be on the podcast and thought a little bit about your strategy. So, so you guys have 4,500 likes on your Facebook page. Typically likes are the first thing that a lot of people will look at when they go look at, you know, when they, when they go, Oh, your Facebook page. A lot of times when I show people what I've done and I show people understood, but the kind of dirty secret about page likes is that they don't really matter that much in terms of your business because you can't tell out of that 4,500 how many of those people are seeing the posts, how many of those people really know who you are versus clicked like one day and like, and don't ever engage in anything else you do. They don't read your newsletter. They don't listen to the podcast. So you probably have a lot of fans who listen to your podcast every week who don't who, ne- who haven't necessarily gone and liked the Facebook page. So this 4,500 number, it has nothing to do really with your potential for Facebook or even like how many fans you have. So that's the first thing I like to point out to people because people look at that number a lot and they worry about if it's low, if it's high, it's actually kind of meaningless, but you know, it should grow or you should be able to see results no matter what that number is if you have a couple of clear strategies. So does that make sense? Definitely. I I like how you mentioned that the whole point is not getting, it's not a popularity contest for how many likes you have. It's what those people do with your page that ultimately matters. So good point. Yeah. And we know that on all the social networks. Well, I mean, okay, I'm going to stop there because I don't want to get too deep down a rabbit hole because (laughs) there's lots of other, you know, on all the social networks, there are ways to sort of buy a lot of likes, even on Facebook, you know, legitimately they sell a Facebook like ad. That's an ad type and you can get tons of people to go like your page and that may lead, you know, implicitly down the line to those people then seeing your updates, clicking through to your website, but it's not a given that every one of those people is even like your potential market, you know? So, okay. So anyway, so you guys, so what you guys do on Facebook, I really love your, you don't tend to be very salesy on your Facebook page, which I think is really important thing for people to understand that when you think about how you use Facebook personally, so listeners or Maggie or anybody who has a smartphone who looks at Facebook, 
that I look at it first thing I get up in the morning a lot of times and you kind of scroll through your news feed and there's all kinds of stuff on there, right? There's, you know, whatever my mom posted last night and there's probably articles from a lot of magazines I read. There's lots of fitness tips because I, I like, I've shown in the past to Facebook that I like fitness stuff. So I'll see fitness tips and recipes and all kinds of things. And when you think about that as a business person who's, who has a Facebook page, you're competing against all that. <laughs> so if your Facebook updates are soliciting, so if they're, if the idea behind them is like, click here to buy, or here's, a, I have this special and buy, 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 you, it, it depends kind of on if that's part of an overall strategy, but if that's just the way that you use Facebook, you're going to see really low engagement and you're going to feel like, oh, Facebook doesn't work. But the truth is, is you really just have to turn around and think about it as an audience member. If you're on Facebook while you're standing in line at Starbucks or something, you know, it's not, you want to hit people with things they want to click on and read quickly. So information that's really relevant or interesting or important to them. You don't really want to ask them for something right away within the feed. You know, there are lots of different strategies, but in terms of a content strategy for the platform, you want to think about it like the way that you use Facebook. So, you know, what are the kinds of things that you click on and what do you think your ideal customer would click on? And if you don't know, you should talk to customers you've had in the past, you know, like who do they follow? What do they like about that content? So you guys, Bethann and Sarah, definitely do a good job of not being soliciting, like not soliciting. Facebook ads are kind of a different animal, so I'll leave that off. But if you're just using Facebook as your page, you know, you want to be sharing kind of interesting content that you know that your ideal client is interested in. But sometimes people will take that advice that I just gave and they'll be like, oh, you know, what I always click on on Facebook is like that cat that jumps in all those boxes. And so then they'll start sharing that on their Facebook page because they're like, well, I got to get somebody to see. I, I just need people to see my posts. So I would not recommend that strategy because <laughs> okay, and no, we're laughing, no but there's really a good reason behind it. It's not just because it has nothing to do with your business. I mean, it is. It's because it has nothing to do with your business, but it's a waste of your time, right? Everything that you share on Facebook when you put a post up, you should be able to say to yourself, this is what I hope my ideal audience members will do with this post. Like, it doesn't always have to be like, and I hope that eventually I will sell 10 planners this way in your case. But, you know, an overarching strategy would be like, you know, your guys, you guys have the planner. It comes out once a year. Your entire year of content on Facebook could be, be leading up to creating an audience who is the ideal purchaser of the planner. And I'll talk about in a little bit or as we go on what I mean by that. It doesn't mean like every post has to be about the planner or about planning, but it's just sort of like what does your ideal client who bought your planner last year, what are the things that she's interested in, you know, and you'd be, and you'd be posting about that all year long. That's sort of, that's a strategy, right? You don't, but sort of like sharing stuff and just being like, well, I want people to see it. And if they don't see it, you know, in their newsfeed, it means it's a failure. All that stuff is just, it's not a strategy and you're also not measuring success or failure the right way. So, but I'm not saying you guys do that. I'm just trying to yeah. give like a larger picture of what I've seen in a lot of different clients and people I've worked with over the years. I, I think that makes a lot of sense, Maggie. And I definitely 
feel that temptation sometimes to like, oh, let's post something cute or post something funny or, you know, I think we tend to rein ourselves in, but you're right. It's so easy to just get caught up on, oh, I want a lot of people to see what we're posting on Facebook. So let's right. just like post something catchy. But right. if it doesn't, yeah, if we're not thinking about the big picture and drawing in that ideal audience, then it's like, well, who cares if it's funny or catchy if it has nothing to do with brilliant business moms? And what I will say, because I had looked at like one of the things that you were doing semi consistently, or maybe I just didn't look back far enough to see if it was super consistent, but every, like every week or so you would create a post on Facebook where, which was really interactive. Like the one I saw was Sarah posted, I had a random act of kindness done to me today. The woman in front of me at McDonald's paid for my order. Have you ever done a random act of kindness or been the recipient of one. And then you had a higher number of likes on that. So it links to nothing on your site. So it's not a, you know, it's not driving traffic to your post. I mean, to your site, that is one goal of a particular Facebook post. That's not the goal of this one. Right. But you had like a higher amount of audience interaction than you see. than you guys sometimes see a little bit higher. I really liked the idea of doing this because it does draw in your audience, you know, and then they sort of talk to each other, which is really one of your guys' goals is to provide this platform for audience members who are small business people and moms or, you know, running business out of their homes to talk to each other. So that this kind of post really allows for that. Plus, it's like your personality, which is really an integral part of your brand, the personality of the two of you. And we've spoken before, so I feel like I can say that, you know, but I know you guys are really nice people and there's something really warm about you guys. It really permeates the podcast and everything. And this is sort of another way to showcase that. So I do I do feel like not every post you're you're also it's not going to be fun and the audience is quickly going to sort of be like, ugh, they always just post this, you know, so that's I like this for breaking up linked posts and just always like promoting, you know, something on your site or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, good. I'm I'm glad you like it. That's very good to hear. I think I could stand to be a little bit more intentional about that. I tend to post questions or comments when something in my own life just happens to happen. But you're absolutely right that we want to encourage engagement between our listeners and we do want to let our listeners get to know us better that is definitely a goal so we should probably maybe do this a little bit more on a regular basis I mean I think what can really help with overall I think I've talked to you guys about this I'm not sure if it's changed since the last time I talked to you but overall you know so what to post for everybody listening for me Maggie for you guys it's a it's a challenge, right? What to post, what not to post, how often to post. You know, these are the kind of questions people are Googling when they're trying to figure out how to run social media marketing for themselves. And, you know, most of the people, I, in fact, every single person I work with, they want to do their business. You know, whatever they're, you guys are a little bit of a hybrid because you also give social media advice as part of your business. But, you know, if I work with, I worked with uh, an architect and designer recently, you know, she wants to be working with clients doing, you know, remodels and stuff. She doesn't want to do social media marketing. But so a lot of people are sort of like, 
but then as they get into it and they're a solopreneur or just, you know, this has to be part of what they do because they have to drum up business. They have to find the people who need what they have, but it's just tough. It's like what to post. So one of the big things that I help people with and I, I feel like I really am good at solving this problem, pat myself on the back is a good way to sort of not feel panicked about what to post um, or how often to post is to just make a calendar way out in advance. And you can do a calendar. My calendar goes out three or four months in advance in terms of what I'm going to post on my social media channels and what it's going to link to. And I can actually, and everybody, not just me, can schedule it, you know, using buffer.com is an app, kind of a, a free service that allows you to do this. Tailwind allows you to do it for Pinterest. Facebook itself allows you to schedule posts in advance. So you can be sort of, you could sort of carve out a day or two a month to schedule a whole bunch of posts in advance. And then you know, consistency is really important in, in my book. So a lot of people will sort of feel like they get real revved up about blogging or, and about sharing that stuff on social media. And that happens for a little while. And then they kind of need to go do their business or their other things. And this this is the first thing to fall off. And I feel like that can really hurt you. You really want to be consistent in terms of like the amount, you know, so if you pick a pick an amount that you can stick with. So if it's twice a week that you could share something on Facebook and that doesn't feel like a lot, but you know you can stick with that, I would start there. You want to ramp up as you as you feel like you have more stuff to share. You don't want to like share, you know, four times a week for three weeks and then nothing for a month and a half, which you see a lot of people do. So you want to be consistent. And I feel like you really want to have a calendar that goes way out in advance. And what do you put on that calendar? So I thought a lot about how to explain this on the podcast. So I hope this is a good explanation. But there are kind of like, it's kind of like a Venn diagram. And there are two bubbles. And they kind of meet in the middle uh, in this Venn diagram space. So there's bubble A is things that your ideal client, you know, that that woman that or man or whomever that you're trying to design your product for, they, they are Googling. <laughs> Problems that your ideal client is Googling. So like stuff you hear all the time, you know, in my case, like I just said, I hear all the time, like how do I decide what to post or how do I decide how often to post, you know, once you get to know your the clients that you've worked with in the past, you could probably write, you know, hopefully you could write out 25 to 50 questions that you feel like your client is Googling, you know, because you want to get real granular with it, you know, just things that they want to know how to do. And then column B or bubble B is things that you feel like you would never run out of ideas for writing about. So if I take the Brilliant Business Moms as an example, in column A, and this is me kind of look, you know, I'm, I'm a member of the private group and I spend some time in there and I see a lot of times you'll have those audience members talking about balancing staying home with their kids and getting work done at the same time or kind of figuring out how to like go back and forth bet- between, you know, childcare and then during nap time or during times when they have babysitters or whatever, getting, getting the most work done in that time and kind of, you know, ping-ponging back and forth between that. That's a problem that I've seen written about in the group in a hundred different ways, or a hundred is an exaggeration, but many different ways, right? 
So that's something that your audience is keenly interested in. And then in, in Bubble B, things that you guys write about a lot that you could, it seems like you could write about a ton in Beth Ann's case, I would say, would be stuff around social media, you know, using social media to build your business. So where do those two things intersect? I mean, a really good topic would be how to use, you know, X platform. So how to use Pinterest in the most time saving way to build your business. And so this is where, like, I felt like there was even a particular opportunity recently for you to do this. Okay, so on your Facebook page right now, you posted an affiliate link to Tailwind. And the post is nice, you know, it's not, it's not too, like, promotional, but it does feel promotional because it goes directly, it links directly to Tailwind. What I would have done if I were you guys, or and what I think you could still do, is I would have written a blog about how Tailwind saves you time and allows you to get more clients and been really specific. I mean, if that's even, you know, if that's true, been really specific about how much time you were able to save for Pinterest scheduling and how much extra, whether it was page visits or actual sales or something in between that you saw as a result of using Tailwind. And I would write that blog post up and then in there, I would include the affiliate link for people to sign up for Tailwind. And that that's what I would have gone back and posted on Facebook. And the difference there is that you're coming at it from the point of view of, you know, that your ideal audience is or your, you know, your current audience and your ideal audience are really interested in time saving things and getting the most out of their time because they're juggling so many different priorities, their child care priorities and their business priorities and probably tons of other priorities. And you know that you love writing about social media tools and strategy. And this is a really, this idea that I have, I feel like is a good way to marry those two things. So what do you think of that? I, I love that Maggie. I think, and I'd never thought about it that way before how you said, you know, like essentially the perfect content is going to be the intersection of what our audience and, and I loved how you put it too, like the things that they would Google about, the questions that they would ask Google or, you know, ask in our Facebook group and then marry that to the stuff we love to write about or feel like we have, you know, a bit of expertise in. Like for Sarah, I know it's accounting and taxes and right. she, yeah, right. and she, which I'll give Sarah a little pat on the back. She wrote a post last week that was, hey, here's how to do your end of your inventory, which you're going to need for your taxes, but I'm going to show you how to do it really quickly and easily. So I think that was a really great example of what you're saying of, you know, here's a business thing you need to do. Let me make it simple for you because you're a busy mom. Yeah. And what's cool about, so what's cool about Bubble B, the things that you love to write about that you'd never run out of ideas for is it's going to be really easy for you to write those blogs or if you want to do it as video, you know, shoot a three minute video, you know, write up an outline, set up your iPhone on a tripod, make sure you have some good light and shoot a video. But it's going to be really easy for you to kind of come up with a whole bunch of titles. So this is the process I would use. Come up with a whole bunch of titles, like write them down on a white piece of paper. Say come up with like 30 and then schedule those out for however often you think you can blog. So can you blog once a week or once every two weeks? You know, put those on whatever planner. If you use the Brilliant Business Moms planner or whatever you use, you know, schedule that time in, schedule those titles in rather. And then 
you know, on a slow day <laughs> or <laughs> I don't know, a day or a day you set aside, you set aside time, especially if you do this as videos, you could shoot 10 videos in an afternoon. I mean, also, or if you're a really fast writer, you know, you could write 10 blog posts in an afternoon and that's it. And then you've written, and then you, you know, if you use something like Squarespace, you can schedule the posts to go live, you know, one after the other and whatever, however often, but you, do you see what I'm saying? So like you could have 10 weeks worth of posts that you schedule in one day and then you don't have to think about this again for eight weeks. And that's the way that I feel like solopreneurs and people who are doing a lot of different things on their own to try to build their business. That's the way this can be really successful for them, for you, is that you kind of do it, do a whole bunch of it in a concentrated way and then schedule it out and then don't have to worry about it for a little while. I I really love that, Maggie, the idea of doing things in batches, just like you suggested earlier, scheduling posts in batches, now writing blog posts in batches. I think you're absolutely right that that could be a huge time saver for busy moms, but also a great way to make sure you're consistent then as well. That's great. Thanks. And, you know, the other thing, so for you guys especially, you have this really great thing in your back pocket that should make it even easier for you, which is that you do the podcast every week. So you're already spending a lot of time and energy creating a new piece of content each week. And the way that you promote it right now on Facebook, if you applied like the strategy or the thing that I just talked about, I think it could be a lot more powerful. So what do I mean? (laughs) I can tell you exactly what I mean, because you actually did both types of things on your Facebook page recently. So, so first there's like the way you guys usually do it, which is like December 29th, you promoted the fact that Danielle, um, Aaron or Aran uh, from Naranest was on the podcast, right? Is that what this is? Yeah. Uh So you said like, you know, this is her, you tagged her Facebook page. We're going to talk about how she used a monthly giveaway to drive tons of new email subscribers, which is interesting and cool. But what if you took column A and column B, you know, so the way that I would suggest promoting the podcast in the future is first of all, to talk about it more than once on the Facebook page, because you could, you could be posting about this two or three different times a week on the Facebook page. And you actually did it my way, (laughs) maybe without (laughs) knowing it for Crystal Payne. So on January 6th, you said Victoria from Victoria Easter Wilson asked, as a working mom, did you ever struggle with feeling less than professional? So Victoria had this question from your, or yeah, she's in your audience. She had this question, Crystal Payne in your interview with her addressed it. So I don't know if I'm being like clear enough about how this, but so column, column A, what your audience cares about. I don't know if Victoria is literally Googling this question, but she, this is something that would compel her, right? And then column B, stuff you care about, stuff you guys are already doing, you already created the podcast content, mm-hmm. and you're just kind of putting those things together and talking about them on the page. Now, you saw slightly more interaction with that post, like slightly more. I mean, you know, it, your numbers are all fairly consistent as I look at it, just as a viewer, but if you guys did it that way consistently and maybe a couple times a week instead of once a week, it probably, you know, so you would have to like think in a different way and it might take a little bit more time in the beginning, but I think it would ultimately be more fun for you 
when you're running your Facebook page to kind of think from the point of view of your audience, which I think you do already. It's just a little bit more sort of like being really explicit, like you guys asked about or I hear you guys say all the time or, you know, and that's Maggie's personality, you know, but, you know, I hear you guys talk all the time about how you want to grow your email subscriber list. Well, we talked to Danielle, Aaron, I'm sorry if I'm saying her name wrong again, and here's exactly what she said and even a quote from her. You see that work a lot with Facebook yeah. posts. So that's my spiel there on that one. <laughs> good, Yeah, good ideas. I like the bringing in a quote and I have to say I've seen other podcasters do that on their pages where they'll have a quote from the person they interviewed and we have a virtual assistant working with us on show notes. So maybe mm-hmm. I could just give her a little tip too and say, hey, when you listen back, or if I, you know, remember from the interview too, but like, you know, listen back, pull a really great quote that's kind of around the meat of the topic. And then, yeah, I, I think that's perfect. And as you said too, just marrying the two, marrying what our audience wants with the content that we're already putting out there. Or Yeah. And I think over time, you know, especially it's a really good, I mean, it, everything works for you guys. That's why like, I think this could really help you build, you know, even like your engagement post by post is you do make the planner and your ideal audience is interested in time saving tips. And you guys have really good information and expertise around like different business, you know, online business strategies and how to do them in a time saving way or different, like you said about with Sarah, accounting practices and how to do them in a time saving way or how to do them when you're a mom and you're running your business out of your home. Cause that's what, that's who you guys are. It's like, you guys are your own ideal client. So yeah, I mean, a couple of other things I would say I wanted to point out that are more random. So Facebook, so that I'm not saying that these strategies mean that you're just going to see an explosion in engagement. I think, you know, I wouldn't argue with people that say that, Facebook's not really free anymore. I think there's a lot of opportunity when you use advertising. So when you advertise a specific post and you, but you really again have to have a specific strategy about what you want to get out of that post. So like for the tailwind one, you know, so that's a kind of a good example. So let's say you wrote that blog and then you wanted to put it up on Facebook and you really wanted that blog to succeed, you know, you really wanted that there was like a partnership there or whatever. I'm not saying that that really is the case, but let's say it was, you know, you could put some ad budget into that. It would just, you know, be really specific about the targeting. So making sure you're targeting, you could even target people who have visited your website previously and stuff like that. And I know Beth Ann already knows all about this, but for people listening, it is true that if you never buy ads on Facebook and you have a very small following for your Facebook page, you'll be seen by a small number of people post by post. I don't think that means you should abandon Facebook. I think you can grow it very slowly if you're not buying ads on it consistently. And it's a good, you know, if you're posting to Pinterest and doing other channels anyway, you know, it's good to keep the Facebook page up too. It's sort of up to you to decide based on experimentation where you're seeing kind of the most building, you know, where you're seeing kind of the most results, like which which platforms you're seeing the most results on. And the other thing I wanted to point out, because I was thinking about this yesterday, I'm sort of like a, a social media philosopher. <laughs> I, I think about social media, I don't know, I think more like 
pie in the sky things about social media sometimes. And one of the pie in the sky things I was thinking was when you post to Facebook, you just really always keep in mind how the post shows up in people's news feeds. Even if someone went ahead and liked your page a couple months ago, but they never have interacted with your brand in any other way, they have no idea who you are. So your one post, your post, you know, if it's, if you're lucky enough to have it land in front of their eyeballs on their phone, you have to remember that like that post has to be completely self-contained. You know, there has to be a a bit of your personality in there. You want to make sure that the profile photo that goes with your business page is really the, the representative photo of your business. So if your product can be in there, that's great. But you really want to remember that like these posts, you know, you're putting them out there. You don't have control really of who sees it. But if it does happen to land in front of someone who doesn't know that much about you, but maybe they heard of you like one other time and you kind of want, really want to catch their attention and have them click through, just remember that that post has to be completely self-contained. So, you know, whatever the message is, it's really clear what you want them to do, whether you want them to click or you want them to comment. And it's really clear what the post is about. And even, you know, your your picture and the name of your Facebook page is really making sense. And that's it. That's that's what I have for you guys. I think the, you know, my takeaway advice for you is really create an editorial calendar way in advance. I know you guys can do this, even if they're just like placeholders on your calendar. So, you know, every Tuesday and Thursday, it's a promo to the podcast. Every Wednesday is an audience interaction question and and you can just start planning out the titles, you know, and every Friday is like a blog post. That might be too much, but you know, what every other Friday is a blog post or something like that. And you guys can really start planning out the titles in advance, knock out a few blog posts, schedule stuff a few weeks in advance, and you will feel so you know, you'll feel like you're really you're so accomplished. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then you can track you know, and then you'll track and kind of see how it feels. Do you feel like you're saving time? Do you see any difference in some of the metrics that you normally track for your website and stuff like that? It would take a whole nother podcast to get into the tracking and measurement, but, you know. (laughs) Could I ask you a question, Maggie, about the posting schedule? Yeah. If you don't mind. So for a business our size, and it's pretty much just Bethann and I, and our audience is still, you know, obviously growing, but we're on the small side. How often, like, is once a day what we should be aiming for on Facebook, or should we start trying to push the envelope of twice a day, or does that get annoying to the people who have liked our page? What do you think about that? I don't think twice a day is too much, but here's the thing is, it's such an impossible question to answer because... And any, anybody, even online social media people who are telling you they can tell you how, how many times you should post a day is they're fibbing because we don't know everything. And again, I'm going to get too pie in the sky here, but we don't know anything about or that much about how Facebook decides what to show its users, right? So there's a great article on Slate.com that was written about a week or two ago by Will Aramis, if anyone wants to look this up after, about how Facebook decides to show it's, you know, you may have heard of it. It's called the algorithm. It used to be called edge rank, but how Facebook decides that you're going to always see, or you're going to very often see something that Babbel posts. Like I see Babbel in my feed all the time, you know, that the parent website, but you're not going to see, or I'm Maggie is not going to see, you know, 
another fan page that I follow a lot, like let's say KPBS, the local NPR station in, in San Diego. So how do they decide that? Like, it's really, <laughs> there's liter- first of all, there's a human element to it. If you read Willa Ramis's article, it's really interesting. There's a human element to how Facebook decides what to show you. So all that said, if you guys were to post twice a day, even your most loyal fans wouldn't see all those posts. And they might not even see, like, they might not even notice that you started posting more. They might see the same amount of posts that they always saw because Facebook decided that that's the amount of brilliant business moms posts that Sally should see, period. So all that said, you have to decide if the time you put in to post an extra amount of times is worth it. So maybe you experiment for a couple weeks posting more often and you measure two things. One, does it feel like it's a lot more effort? And two, are you seeing any kind of measurable results? Do you feel like you're seeing less interactions on each post, more interactions on each post, no change? And if you let that experiment go by for a while, and I would give it at least a couple of weeks, if not maybe a month, and anything about that is not working for you, either, you know, it's too much work or you don't see any kind of difference at all, you know, then I would I would just stick with what you're doing. I think, you know, whatever you choose, you just want to be consistent. So you want to start out, if anybody listening is just starting out, you want to start out with the lowest amount of stuff that you know you can pull off week after week. So if it's once a week, then it's once a week. I think that's great advice. I've heard from other people about the consistency too. Like if you fall off the face of the planet, it is, you know, that that will definitely affect you. And, you know, I have a hunch that if we posted twice a day, we would probably see a decent traffic increase to our site if we were, you know, I mean, not that all of those posts would go back to our site, but a a good portion would. So I'm, I'm excited to give it a try. I mean, yeah. And I, know. I, see, I see so many opportunities on your Facebook. I mean, your site, you know, you can link to old, po- you know, old mm-hmm. content on your site. You could link to if there's anything seasonal or something like anything that sort of makes you think of an old podcast episode and you could just yeah. slap that up there. I shouldn't use that phrase because don't just slap <laughs> things up. Just, you know, yeah. you, there should be some kind of strategy around like, Oh, you know, my, li- I should really remind my listeners about this podcast because Pinterest just announced that they're going to completely do things all different. And remember when we interviewed this Pinterest maven and let's put this up or whatever, you know, I'm just making it up. Or Etsy announced that they're going to completely ch- change SEO and like, you know, so I'm going to post this thing from January or whatever. But I think there are ways to post more often using existing content. For your site, I think for some of the women that, you know, listen to you, it might be more difficult because some of them may not be blogging at all or they just sort of they have their products. And to them, I would say, like, you should probably post less often and make sure that you're posting something again, that it's not just asking people to buy your products, but maybe it's like an album. You know, if you make dresses for little kid, little girls, maybe it's like an album of you know, pictures of um, recent dresses or I don't know, something like that and linking to the site, but just something that feels a little bit more engaging and natural to the audience. But yeah, they're not necessarily going to have like enough stuff to talk about to post twice a day. So 
then I, as a social media expert, would not, or anyone, you know, anyone you read online shouldn't be telling you like, yes, you got to post twice a day, you know, you know, no, it's not the key to the success if you're posting a bunch of stuff that nobody wants to read. So there's that X factor too. Yeah, I, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I'm excited to maybe take on that challenge and see what the difference would be for us and, and how that affects our, our blog, how, how it affects our traffic back to our blog. So I love it. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. I think for you guys, I mean, definitely more often that you post and you're linking to your site, you're going to see more, more referrals and more page views. What else? Do you have other questions about what I said? No, I don't. I don't have any other questions. Do you, Bethann? No, I don't think so. I, I thought this was great. I really love Yes. And, you know, one thing that I honestly hadn't thought about was what you said, Maggie, about each post being self-contained, where, you know, because mm-hmm. we're, when we post, we're like on our Facebook page, seeing all of the other content we post, obviously intimately knowing our brand, and we forget that there could be some random person who liked us a few months ago, but if we write something really fabulous and also it's effective, Facebook might show that, and we want to make sure we're, you know, making the most of essentially that introduction to that person. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of the ways, you know, you can do that is you might hook on something really gimmicky. Like I remember when I worked at Understood, it was almost a year ago now, but the dress, the white, gold, blue, black dress controversy of 2015 (laughs) was a thing. And we wrote a blog post, not me personally, but, you know, our editorial team wrote a blog post about kind of like perception and learning issues. The blog post that Understood wrote was tangentially related to the whole dress thing. But we remembered within that Facebook post to talk about our core mission, which was about helping parents of kids who have learning disabilities and attention issues. That post was really successful because it drew a lot of eyeballs from people who kind of knew who we were or maybe even had no idea who we were. But the people who clicked through and the people who liked understood after that, those were really the people that we were trying to reach, which was the actual parents and grandparents and teachers and some of the other core audience that we're trying to reach specifically. So not, you know, so it's sort of like that Venn diagram of like all the people that cared about the dress controversy for like a hot minute and all the people who are parents of kids who are affected by these issues. And there's like that tiny sliver of Venn diagram in the middle where those two people meet. And that post really took full advantage of that. So I would also say don't be afraid to like in a gimmicky way get on top of something that's currently in the news. But as long as you can kind of tie it back to the core of what your business does. Hmm, like that. Very good. This has been so informative, Maggie. I'm so glad we got the chance to have you critique us a little bit and help us to learn how we can do a better job on Facebook. I, I always <laughs> just say as a takeaway, everybody, you know, yeah. like try to, once you set your schedule, just do something. Don't feel like it has to be perfect before you get out there and you can always improve as you go. So. That's true. Yeah, that is so true. It's so easy to wait for perfection. You guys are terrific. So keep doing what you're doing. Could you tell all of our listeners where they could find you online? Yes, it is M-A-G-G-I-E-F-R-A-N-K-H-S-U.com, MaggieFrankShoe.com. 
And I'll send you guys like a special link for your listeners that maybe you can post on your site so that people don't have to remember all that. Awesome. (laughs) Cool. Hey, it was great to talk to you guys again. Love your show. Yeah, thank you so much, Maggie. We really appreciate it. For the show notes, head to brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash BBM132. During the episode, Maggie mentioned that she's a member of our private Facebook group. If you would like to join our private Facebook group, just find us on Facebook and request to join and we'll get you in. The private Facebook group is a wonderful community of women trying to grow their own businesses, and the women are just so helpful, encouraging, and knowledgeable. They are a great group for answering questions and offering fantastic advice. We would love to have you join us. I hope you're having a great week. Now it's your turn to head out there and be brilliant.